Hey there. Before we start this episode of Jackson Film Club, the podcast, we wanted to let you know that if you like what we do and you want to support us, you can make a one-time donation using Venmo at JXN Film Club, or you have the option to make uh, recurring donations by visiting our anchor profile at anchor.fm slash JXN Film Club. Thank you for your support. How do Ewoks communicate over long distances, guys? I don't know. Mary, any thoughts? I'm going to save them. Ewokie-talkie. Ewokie-talkie. Yes, Michael, that is exactly how they do it with Ewokie-talkies. Welcome to another episode of Jackson Film Club, the podcast. I'm Sam Grafe. I'm too good at jokes. (laughs) And we're joined by... Mary Heath. Thanks, guys. Uh, I'm Michael Lamb, just in case you forgot. They they did need that because yeah. the two good with jokes, they're like, who's that? Who is that? It's such a mystery. So uh, I brought you guys here today because I wanted to talk <laughs> about... Is this an intervention? <laughs> I wanted to talk it's also about 1030 uh, one of my favorite things, and that's science fiction. And we're going to talk about that in the context of this film club podcast. So we're going to talk about science fiction movies. Um I, I gave you guys a list uh, of 12 movies that I, I'm interested in talking about. We don't have to talk about all of those. Um, but I wanted to start with a real classic. And it's actually just been a classic for me in the last half a year. So. Okay. I've seen it three times. 2001, A Space Odyssey. You've seen it three times in the last year? In, in the last half a year, yes. I think it would take half What's a year to watch the movie with three you? times. It's that long. What? What? I don't understand this reaction. Michael's ability to rewatch never ceases Surpa- to amaze yeah, me. Yeah, it surpasses all. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, 2001 is a great movie. Okay, well, yeah. the first time that I saw it, it was... Um, I, I'm telling on myself a little bit here. Okay. Um, I don't like to often reveal how I watch movies or the habits around watching movies. Because the government's paying attention um, to you, Also because right? they're cringe. No, <laughs> because sometimes people will be like, when do you get work done? I uh, wonder this. Ceasefire, are you listening? <laughs> this was one of those days I woke up and it was just like, I, I normally wake up at like 5.30 or 6 and then I'll like get up and, and get going closer to 7. Um, that's when I make coffee and make my rounds. Well, you definitely couldn't have like, watched this movie at, in that eight, time span. At 8 a.m., uh, I'm usually uh, you know at my, my work computer and, and kind of getting the day started. Uh, at 9 a.m. on this particular day, I decided I'm kind of done with work for right now. I'm going to watch a movie. And I sat down and watched a two and a half hour space Light Odyssey. Watch. Uh, literally spans thousands of I, years. I literally just was in awe and uh, I, I loved it. Like, I, I know that it's not like the most entertaining watch mm-hmm. for a lot of people, but I just like staring at pretty images for. I mean that's half Long the movie. Yeah. So, uh, and the the whole playing with the music, mm-hmm. uh, especially with when you're you're first seeing the space station, you've got this ballet music playing in the mm-hmm. background. It, it was very much. It felt like a dance, and I loved that atmosphere that Kubrick was was bringing into this. Uh, 
galactic story. Yeah. What's so great about that music is that like it just instantly makes it timeless. Like it doesn't matter when you watch 2001 Space Odyssey, even though it was made in the 60s, it's like it it's not your typical like <clears throat> what sci-fi music probably was at that time, like mm-hmm. synth driven or anything. I mean, there obviously are tons of like and- drones and stuff like that in the soundtrack whenever it's just getting overwhelming. But to have classical music be playing, it just kind of, that alone elevates the movie. It's a ballet among the stars. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, so your first time viewing it is much different than my first time viewing it, which is my poor father had it on, loves 2001 Space Odyssey. And I sat there, I guess probably like, I was in junior high because I was a punk. Um, and kept up a running commentary on how bad it nice. was. Yikes. Because, it, well, you know, you have the scene with the, the obelisk and the monkeys. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, the monkey, what are you going to do? Is he, oh, I'm going to touch the rock. Oh, now I'm going to kill the other monkeys with my stick. Like, epic space shot. Another, like that was the, <laughs> it was just... Obnoxious. Yeah, it was obnoxious because I was sitting there. You were explaining the movie. My free time having to watch this movie because <laughs> my dad had control of the remote and that he was allowed to do that. I have come to appreciate it, but yeah, it's how can, <laughs> I can't get over how many times you've seen it in the past. It's half a masterpiece. Year. I can't. It I is. wouldn't be able to watch. I, so I my first viewing and only viewing. I really need to rewatch it. I think I was 15. My first, probably the first year or two of me being like, I'm going to get serious about watching movies. And uh, I think it was in the like $5 Blu-ray bin at Walmart. Mm. I was with my dad and I was like, we're getting this. Uh, And so I watched it with my parents, my poor mom. It's not her kind of movie at all. So three hour, just really out there sci-fi Epic is not really her thing. So for the first 45 minutes when mm-hmm. it's monkeys and there's no dialogue, she was definitely not into it. But it, it's, it's very not 45 like, minutes. Okay. Is it not? It feels like it. Yeah, I mean, it's only like 20 minutes. Oh, it oh. feels like 45. <laughs> uh, only 20. But it is like very transfixing. Yeah. It is fascinating and it, groundbreaking too. I mean, how they shot it and everything. Yeah. Isn't there a sequel? Uh, there is. 2010. Yeah, Steven Soderbergh. Yeah, my uh, mom got tricked on a date by my dad to go see that movie and had to sit in the theater. That one's it is a lot more accessible. Uh, before we get too far off of it, my second time viewing 2001 was at the Plaza Theater in mm-hmm. Atlanta. They had, um, they had the restored version, uh, which was a project that Christopher Nolan... Like oversaw. Of course, it um, was Christopher Nolan. The it was like an unrestored version from the original film, and it was on forty millimeter. Forty. Uh, mm-hmm. Not thirty-five. Was it thirty-five? I don't think forty millimeters a thing. I don't remember. It, uh, I think I, it's thirty-five. I can pull up the advertisement, but uh, maybe it was seventy millimeter. Seventy is probably it. Uh, I want to say 70 because it was definitely an even number. Well, I guess. 
Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> the they had the boxes uh, outside of the, the, film the, the theater room. Yeah, it's um, and there were like fifteen of these boxes that were just huge. That's pretty <laughs> and sweet. The, the funny little uh, thing they also had the VHS, uh, and they just like <laughs> set it uh, in one of the handles on the box. I was like, that doesn't go there, but I love that. Um, that's pretty nifty. Yeah, that's a that's a real fun theater. If you're ever in Atlanta, go to the Plaza. They've usually got some people um, that, well, they've got like a little lounge area by the restroom. There's usually somebody just hanging out there uh, <laughs> because they'll, they'll play movies on a tiny VHS set. It's like one of those old TV sets with the VHS player in it. Uh, oh, nice. Really My grandmother classic. had one of those. I used to watch Phantom Menace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I used to watch Home Alone. Uh, one of those, yeah. Well, while they were, while I was inside the theater watching 2001, the, uh, anybody else who was passing by could watch Monty Python on the Holy Grail. Classic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so 2010, uh, I, I did watch that just to see what it was. Mm-hmm. And it's a fine movie. Um, it, My mother would disagree, but you know. It strikes me as one of those movies that like, when it came out, everyone hated it just because of what it was and that it wasn't, it wasn't 2001. 2001. But then like after... A few decades, people revisit it and they're like, okay, it's actually pretty good. Like, it's not that bad. I mean, this isn't a spoiler or anything. There's another monolith. There's actually a lot more monoliths. The thing that bothers me the most is the very, very end. The Like, the final shot of the movie is on a monolith. And it's not centered in the screen. It pisses me off. Oh, man, that would really make Kubrick (laughs) mad. He's probably rolling in his grave to this day. (laughs) There are a painful amount of symmetrical shots in uh, 2001. And they're beautiful. They are. It's one of those movies, like, Into the Spider-Verse, there's no bad frames. Mm-hmm. Like, 2001 Space Odyssey is pretty Yeah, every yeah. frame Achievable has been there. meticulously yeah. and, and judiciously chosen. Not to stay on 2001 too long, but just cool filmmaking fact. I wondered... How you know when he's uh, like taking the transport or whatever, mm-hmm. and you see the pin floating? I was like, how? Like they there was no CGI. They can't paint out a wire. How did they do that? They literally just glued a pin onto a sheet of glass and were rotating a sheet <laughs> of glass. Like that's so cool. That's pretty ingenious. There, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Uh, have you ever heard uh, somebody say your daddy wasn't a glassmaker? Yes. Are you going to give any context? I don't understand. Uh, well, normally the person who's heard it, it, they're like standing in front of the TV. Like, yeah. Your daddy wasn't a glassmaker. Like, or standing so you're, in front you're of- You're not a piece of glass. Oh, I got you. So sit down. And standing in front of anything that you want to look yeah. at. I think- uh, I don't know if you know this, Sam, but you can see through glass. Unless it's a mirror. <laughs> um, I think kind of continuing with classic sci-fi that's a little more heady- uh, Blade Runner mm-hmm. is one of those that's like, you probably watched it when you were younger and were like, I don't like it. And then you probably <laughs> watched it again and were like, okay, this is great. Not even just I don't like it. It's not fully, I, I don't, don't understand it. it. Yeah. 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 Blade Runner, I definitely, the first time I watched it was probably expecting a an action driven thing. It sounds like an action movie, Blade oh, yeah. Runner. It's Harrison Ford. Like, yeah, this is totally an action movie. And there's movie. some moments you're like, oh, we're getting it. No. Yeah. Um, it's very much a noir flick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've really come. I, I've seen it twice, and I, I'm, I really want to watch it again. I've come to really appreciate it a lot. It's just 
the atmosphere that it has is just really pulls you in. Yeah, I love Blade Runner. We've mentioned a couple of times on this podcast yeah. that we had uh, uh, we watched Blade Runner at the Cinemark in Pearl. Mm-hmm. That was last June. That was before. You before joined the, we even knew each other. Before you joined the podcast, yep. yeah, you didn't. You didn't exist. Therefore, before you, you before you before joined you the exist. podcast, in fact, because there was no <laughs> there podcast. was no podcast. <laughs> that was really cool seeing or experiencing the Tears in the Rain monologue yeah. on, on the big, big screen. screen. Have any of you? Have either of you seen any other cuts besides the final cut? The director's cut, I think. Is that the one with the monologue or the voiceover? Because I've heard pieces of the voiceover before. I've never seen any other. I thought it was the original cut cut that had the voiceover. Maybe it is. I don't know. It sounds lame though. Uh, From what I understood, like the director's cut came out because nobody liked the voiceover. Okay. And then the final cut came out because they didn't, somebody else didn't like the director's cut. Gotcha. That seems right. So. And one of those is. One of those was like Ridley Scott didn't like one of the cuts. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Harrison Ford hated the voiceover. That's why when he's reading it, it sounds so terrible because he was like actively trying to do a bad <laughs> job on it, which isn't surprising. It's like, they're going to make me do this. I'm going <laughs> to It literally sounds terrible. Um, but that like those are both heady sci-fi, but sci-fi is so many different things. Mm-hmm. You have like the cheap garbage sci-fi that's like specifically made to be lasers and aliens and stuff. Yeah. That there's also good movies that fall into that category. And then sci-fi is also one of the genres that can get the most intellectual and dissecting what it means to be a human. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think Ex Machina on the list that you made falls into that category. Is that so much intellectual as it is like just philosophical? Yeah. I, I would use those interchangeably, but I'm, I'm not as smart as you. Um, well, I think in, being intellectual just means that like you can talk about something at length or with a certain level of expertise. Yeah. Um, I like how he didn't challenge you on that. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'm so a little I'm not, smarter yeah. than you. Mm-hmm. No, phil- philosophical, philosophical uh, is probably the word I meant to use yeah, in my brain. That's what I was thinking. Philosophy, I feel like, is, is it just gets more at like the core of the thing and it's supposed to be something that Anybody can do like philosophy. Anybody can ask questions, right? Yeah. Uh, Some people ask too many questions. Who's that? That was just a general (laughs) statement. Children (laughs) ask too many questions. I wish they would shut up. Um, My coworker Becky asked too many questions. (laughs) (laughs) But I think like I think like Spielberg and George Lucas and those dudes are Mm -hmm. good examples of like using sci-fi in a much more digestible way. You like ET, Close Encounters, Star Wars. Which Star Wars leans more to fantasy also. Yeah. like Star um, Trek is more sci-fi. Yeah, yeah, Star Trek. All those are much more digestible. Like what you think of like sci-fi going to the movies, watching a sci-fi movie. But then again, you have the deep dives into what it means to be a human. Mm-hmm. I think it's just really interesting that that all fits in one genre. Yeah, I'm glad that, that you brought up Ex Machina and that, that question. Just because uh, I remember the first time viewing it, um, and this can get kind of spoilery. You guys have both seen it? I have not, but... You haven't seen it? You know how I feel about spoilers. But yeah. You don't care. Really? Yeah. You don't care about spoilers? Um, I care a little bit more now, but like it's never going to stop me from seeing something unless it's like the most... Like the spoiler is like the most boring. 
So this one's, I mean, this one is just the end. It's what happens. So Alicia Vikander plays a robot. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the end of the movie, the robot escapes. Like, uh, is Oscar Isaac plays this, like, evil tech genius CEO. Bill Gates, uh, Steve Jobs, recluse. Elon Musk, yeah. yeah. So he's, like, he's the one who's developed this artificial intelligence. He gets Donald Gleason out at, you know, his remote lab on an island somewhere out in the middle of nowhere to uh, perform tests on this robot. And then the robot, like, uses these two men and their weaknesses to escape. Nice. And, yeah, so for the first time that I watched it, I was very, I was very conflicted. I was like, wow, I feel so bad for these two men. But I also kind of don't. And very much, like, good for her. And also, robots are going to destroy the world. Yeah, I don't typically feel bad for the people, like, people in movies when AI takes over because I'm just like... (laughs) Have you not seen the writing on the wall? <laughs> like you've you you've you've earned this. Well, from what I remember, uh, it's been four years probably since I saw Ex Machina. Isn't like Oscar Isaac is trying to create the singularity, basically. Like he's is that right, or is he just is aware of the fact that at some point we will reach the point where they're just smarter than us? Um, I don't because he's I don't got remember that, that being his, his motivation. Thing. Uh, specific. I don't think he calls it out quite that way. He talks a lot uh, that he makes allusions to Jackson Pollock a good bit because, mm. like Pollock's methodology to painting wasn't so much that he was like consciously painting, but that he was subconsciously painting. So like he would get himself into um, uh, sort of a meditative state whenever he was working, so that like all the work that he did was actually just like his subconscious. Uh, he wasn't really making choices about what goes where, what paint goes, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so thematically, I'm not exactly sure what his character was trying to do with that illusion. Um. Another Alex Garland <laughs> flick, <laughs> uh, Annihilation, is we'll also on your list. There. <laughs> I, I really love Annihilation a lot. We've talked about it, I, I think, a couple times on the podcast, mainly the music. Uh, yeah, the music for me is unreal. Is, so uh, there, there. Oh, I feel like a lot of pe- people have problems with this movie, and some of it's because of I don't know some of the writing. But mm-hmm. in general, like it's actually just a really, really good movie uh, or a good story. Yeah, it is, is based on a series of books from James Vandermeer. Mm-hmm. Uh, fun fact: I bought the first book. And gave it to Hannah Richards. Yes, you did. Was it for any particular reason? I think it was for her birthday. That sounds right. And the hey, reason Hannah. why was because this is a story about like these badass women who go <laughs> and they do, uh, they manage to accomplish progress where all teams of men could not. So. Which, if anyone knows Hannah, she's all about that. Yeah. We love. Uh, the future is female. Okay. Have you, both of you seen Babysitter Killer Queen? What? I have. Okay. No, I've never this heard is of this. a sequel okay. to The Babysitter. Have you seen The Babysitter? No. Okay. This is 
completely like side branch off of sci-fi right here. Wow. Um, On Netflix, if you haven't watched it, you should. It's hilarious. But one of the- McG? One of the characters goes, the future is female. And the other guy is just like, what the hell does that mean? (laughs) Like, I'm sorry. I just thought of that. It's very (laughs) funny though. It's it's way funnier than how I'm describing it right now. Uh. <laughs> that does sound hilarious. I can't wait to watch that. <laughs> but um, back on the track of science fiction. Uh, okay. Um, uh, were we talking about well, Annihilation? We were talking about <laughs> Annihilation. Uh, Talk about uh, some cool high concept sci-fi that has been realized visually in that third act. I don't want to get into spoilers, but man, some cool, cool looking stuff. You're that, talking about the alien? Yeah, let's get into some spoilers. <laughs> um, yeah, so that is one of the. I think Annihilation kind of toes the line between like really heady sci-fi and just like you can enjoy this movie. It's fun mm-hmm. to watch mm-hmm. because, I mean, it's an action thriller, but then it's also sci-fi um, and, and a mystery. Yeah, but like. There's really fun scenes in it. Like the bear scene is terrifying, but it's really fun. Yes. Uh, and then the third act, when she goes into the lighthouse, it's like really crazy. And like, I don't know what I'm looking at, but I really, I really like it. I remember, so I watched that one. Ooh, this was back in the days of Movie Pass. Oh, um, this good was times. before Movie Pass had realized what they had signed themselves up for. So I would rewatch movies. Uh, in the movie theater because Movie Pass was paying for it, and Annihilation was was the first one where I was like, I came here and I saw this alone, and I'm really happy that I did that because now I'm going to come back and I'm going to bring more people with me, mm-hmm. and I brought more people the next time. I don't even remember who, but they. I remember watching them react during that third act, and yeah, yeah it's fun yeah. to watch your friends be really uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I invite them on my podcast (laughs) the Oscar Isaac is a little bit of our sci-fi daddy (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah he's in a significant amount of sci-fi movies is is probably how I would put that phrase but if sure Uh, yeah he's in Star Wars sci-fi daddy is another way to say it He's in, in those Star Wars movies. He, Star in, Wars is not sci-fi. He's, in, he's Dune. in Dune. Oh yeah, he's in Dune. Any? He, <laughs> never mind. Um, it's gonna make forget, that worse joke. Can't forget Drive. Yes, yeah, Drive sci-fi. It's not. Oh, wait, no, it's not. Um, he's in X Men Apocalypse. Uh, wait, is he? Yes. Yeah, he's Apocalypse. He's Apocalypse. You could uh, probably couldn't tell because he's under four layers of blue rubber, but yeah, I, never, I haven't seen that one. Man, you're really missing out. It's worth it for the uh, slow mo scene with yeah, Silver. That's true. Just YouTube it. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, Oscar Isaac has actually not been in that many science fiction things. I mean, Ex Machina, Annihilation, Dune, Star Wars. Okay. Somehow Palpatine returned. That's. Amazing screenwriting right there. Wow. Spoilers, Michael. Um, I've got one that I can talk to y'all about that I know that y'all haven't seen. Okay. 
Tell it, sell us on why we should see it. Is it Melancholia? Mm-mm. No, okay. but that one, that one's a really depressing movie. That's the one that I, I would watch it's called again Melancholia. <laughs> when I want to be sad and when I want to stay sad. Um, no, this is uh, a movie called High Life. Okay, uh, why should we see Robert Pattinson? Yeah, it's got Robert Pattinson in it. Oh, is that why we, That's not we why should, you should see, see it. it? No, it's uh, directed by Claire Denis. Uh, I've seen a couple other things from her, and this was her first movie that she directed that was in English. Um, now, as far as the the narrative, it's really grounded. So you're following a bunch of people who are on a spaceship, and they are sentenced to like. I mean, it's a life sentence. They're 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 on a prison boat, and the whole journey that they're on is to take them to a black hole. Like they've literally been rejected by society, put on a boat, sent to a black hole just for. An so that's experiment. the new death sentence. Oh, just to see like oh see they're happens. expendable. Let's see what that's yeah. pretty yeah. sick. And, and so you're following like all these characters and stuff, and it's mostly Robert Pattinson uh, that 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 you're interested in or the camera's interested in. Um, that you're interested in. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, a fun fact is that, uh, so Robert Pattinson's character is named Monty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his character has a daughter named Willow. That's where I got my cat's names from. Aww. Oh. That uh, was really fun. Uh, High Life has been one that like, it just looks a little too strange for me to feel like I would actually enjoy. I don't think that you would enjoy it. Yeah. I, just from what I've seen, it's like, I don't know, man. I, I would like to like it, but I don't think I would. Why did you enjoy it, Michael? Uh, it was not at all what I expected. And I mean, it opens with, I think, some interesting statements. Mm-hmm. And at one point, uh, Robert Pattinson's talking about taboos and things that are taboo. And just like the the question that popped into my mind at that that time was like, okay, what taboo is this movie concerned about? And it was, and it was a question that stuck with me the whole time, and it never quite left because it always felt relevant. Um, but I still don't know that I actually have it answered. Like, I don't know. I don't know what taboo he was specifically naming in that scene. And this is a scene close to the beginning of the movie. Okay. Um, uh, thematically there's a lot of uh, like contemplation of death purpose of life Uh, which is big in Mm -hmm. sci-fi I do love that Uh, it's also really psychosexual Uh, (laughs) (laughs) just drop that one in there (laughs) Um, my brain was going somewhere What about uh, like action science fiction? I was going to go to Alien, the Aliens yeah. franchise, because I know you're, Alien's one of your favorites, yeah. right? I do love Alien. It's in my top 20. Yeah. <clears throat> so, so Alien, the Alien franchise, from what I've only seen one through three, mm-hmm. and I think it's interesting that one and Alien and Aliens are in the same franchise, have the Two same main character, completely different movies. One's an action sci-fi or a sci-fi action, and then the other is a sci-fi horror mm-hmm. thriller. So Ridley Scott's would be the sci-fi yeah, horror. I, I yeah. said those in the wrong order. Yeah, it yeah. was James Cameron who did Aliens? Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, that one definitely felt like a Hollywood blockbuster action movie. Yeah, it's really strange to me that there are people who prefer Aliens. Because I, I watched Aliens. That's and, America for you. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I, I feel like pacing and like yeah, that kind of thing. It just it's it seems way more dated to me than it. Mm-hmm. Uh, except for the actual aliens themselves. It's like, okay, they made some advancements for sure. But like everything else, the dialogue, the characters, I'm like, this is way more dated than Alien. Alien feels very like it's contained. Mm-hmm. And it also feels all the production design. It's like kind of ancient, but like I could believe it. Yeah. So at one point last year, Mary had <laughs> uh, kind of called me out because she had rightfully pointed out that uh, I was the only one who had picked movies for our monthly <laughs> events. And so the first movie that uh, she got to pick was Alien. Was Alien? Yeah. Uh, why did you pick that one? Um, I think it took me a really long time to watch it because um, I was. No, I'm not, I'm still not a big fan of horror, um, but I had been told that I would like it, so I eventually just acquiesced to it and found out that I loved it, and it shocked me how many people had never seen it, and it's such a, it's I mean Ripley is the strong female character, yeah. uh, so I think that was part of the reason too. It's like it's a uh, genre that typically doesn't showcase that. Um, and yeah, I, that's really yeah why I picked it is mm. I felt like I'm not, not enough people had seen it that I knew. So even though it's very wild, widely known. Um, well, that was my first time, yeah. uh, which we we talked about it then. Uh, yeah. One, one joke that I've thought about since then. So oh, like, no. If I, <laughs> Uh, if I wanted to watch uh, a bunch of people ignore a woman for two hours, then I would just go to work. <laughs> Do you see that? You, did you hear that you were the only one laughing at that? <laughs> it's because y'all don't know what, what it's like for me to go to work. Yeah, you're you're right. <clears throat> yeah. Um, C-Spire, are you listening? Uh, it's, it's not just C-Spire. It's just like in my industry... Yeah. I can, uh, I've I've been in plenty of meetings where there's there's women who are talking and men who are not listening to what the women and then are the talking men about. Say the same thing. And then men say the exact same thing. Guess what? It is not just your industry where that happens. Oh no! Unfortunately, but it is it is still there. Uh, and the cat lives, which mm-hmm. is such a the animal lives. Yeah. Uh, which is a rarity, I feel like, in most movies. I love cats. Same. I would kill either cat right now. With me right now. I would kill for that. Oh, gosh. So, <laughs> keeping it on the theme of females. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk about her. Okay. <laughs> okay, so that actually it brings... I was going to mention, like, there's different umbrellas of sci-fi... That falls into the like, there's a sci-fi element, but the hers a little more like f- clearly futuristic, but like it kind of feels like the everyday world and there just so mm-hmm. happens to be like certain technological advancements or like a piece of technology that's been integrated. Yeah. I think Christopher Nolan does that a lot. Like Inception, the world doesn't even seem like, oh, this is the world in 20 years. Like It just seems like the normal world, world but it just yeah. so happens this dream technology exists. Um, 
Tenet is kind of the same way. Like it, it feels like it took place in 2020 and then there's this crazy inversion technology. And I think her falls into that same category where it's like, there's just this AI, but it's kind of the normal world. So yeah, it's sort of a gimmick just to have Scarlett Johansson play uh, opposite of Joaquin Phoenix. And in an interesting role because she's only uh, acting with her voice, mm-hmm. which I'm not gonna lie. Like, I, th- I I thought that Scarlett Johansson has a pretty hot voice just based on her performance in that movie. I can't work like this. I just really want to give him as much dead air as possible to make it as terrible for Michael as I can. (laughs) Michael, pull your mic back up to your mouth. Do it. (laughs) I was going to say that. Yeah, I know. I think she has the voice for that kind of role. (laughs) (laughs) She's got a voice for radio. That's what they all said about me growing up. And you look a at voice you now. Look at me now. They always said I had a face for radio. Oh, that, oh that's the <laughs> joke. Yeah, that's the joke. I'm, I'm bad. I'm a podcast. <laughs> 30 listeners. I'm a podcast. I'm a great night right now. I was going to say, this episode <laughs> is going to be all over the place. Um, Chaos. Man, what's some other good sci-fi? Uh, have y'all seen Speaking Upgrade? Of sci-fi. I haven't. I remember that trailer when it came out. Everyone was like, this is going to be sick. And yeah. I feel like a lot of people didn't see it, including myself. Uh, yeah, I didn't see that. This was another one from my movie past days. Mm. Uh, it's got Discount Tom Hardy. What's his name? <laughs> oh, Logan Marshall Green. <laughs> you should DM him and tell him that. <laughs> hey, did you know that you're Discount Tom Hardy? I think a new, like kind of jab at people like that is you look like you'd be an Oppenheimer because Oppenheimer, the cast list right now is literally just oh, the most average people. looking, average looking white guy with dark hair. Like I'm so concerned for that movie. Oppenheimer, the new Nolan. Did you project. see who just got cast today? Yes, Josh Peck. Right? Josh Peck got cast Gosh. in Oppenheimer. Josh from Drake and Josh. Oh, that Josh. Got cast in Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer. I'm sure he's going to be in it for five minutes. I hope but so. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Uh, oh, let's talk about more white guys. How about Blade Runner 2049? A good one. That was a good one. Blade Runner 2049. I uh, So I had seen Blade Runner. Then I saw Blade Runner 2049 probably a few months later. And then one day... I was like, I need to rewatch both of them. I can't decide which one I want to watch. It's like, why don't I do both? So I just back-to-back watch both of them. It was interesting because it really highlighted the differences in like mm. the style and the visuals. Um, it also showed where the first one had strengths and where the second one had strengths. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I liked Blade Runner 24 and I, in that instance. I think it'd be different if I watched it today. But... In that instance, I liked Blade Runner 2049 a little bit less than the first one, whereas before I would have said I liked 2049 more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, yeah, 2049 is, it's one of those that's like, it came out recently, but it's already kind of gained that acclaim of like, this is probably going to be a classic. Yeah. yeah. I read your um, <clears throat> the Letterboxd review where you said the same thing, just talking about, like, oh, yeah. you like, no, th- I think it was your second time watching 
2049. Yeah, second time watching a little bit less. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, the every time that I think about that movie, uh, I remember experiencing um, like San Francisco whenever he he comes back from the the, the opening when he's going mm-hmm. back to the police station for the first time and it's just all this brutalist architecture yeah and the Wallace Corporation building is awesome the it's such a good atmosphere in that movie like yeah. not not a good atmosphere like I would love to live there but <laughs> I would like to visit <laughs> a well realized a very yeah yeah the uh, visually impactful the yeah. when they go to the archives to figure out like when he's explaining what happened during the blackout with when the light is moving around in there and all those hard edges, just like how massive it is, but also sterile. It's just, it's awesome. Well, I love how all of that even acknowledges um, just how desperate and and desolate this world is for organic life. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cause you look at like uh, at where all the people are, it's all grimy and dirty. It feels like a nasty city. Mm-hmm. But then you get into Wallace's office and where he lives and, and does all this stuff. It's uh, He's got like the two things that you can't find out in the world, like water and wood. And he, he's got them everywhere. It's like he's got walls that are made of wood just because he can. He doesn't, he doesn't even appreciate it, but he just does it. I don't think I've noticed that before. Yeah, uh, yeah. He goes. They take the little wooden horse to that guy, and he's like, "Is this real wood? Mm. That's crazy. How much you want for it? <laughs> I can get you a horse." <laughs> so, what's the worst sci-fi movie each of you have seen? The worst sci-fi. That's a that's a hard question. Is how would I answer that? Do you have an answer? Well, I'm going to go. Right I mean, now. my answer recently would be Moonfall. <laughs> oh, oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead and rant about Moonfall if you want. I. Uh, I, Tell us why we should be happy we didn't see it. It is so absurd that you cannot, like, by the end of it, you're just like, of course this is what's happening, but I never would have guessed it would have gone this far. <laughs> and then you think to yourself, I never would have guessed that I would have stayed this long. <laughs> but It's not a short movie. No, it's not. And you sat? The whole time. Is it two hours? I can't remember, but yeah, you're going to look it up for me. What's interesting to me is that Roland Emmerich just continues to make the same movie. He made that, he made 2012, he made Day After Tomorrow, he made Independence Day, he made Independence Day 2. Disaster after disaster. It's like, how many times can you destroy the world, man? Not enough, apparently. I, I enjoyed Day After Tomorrow. It's one of those movies I grew up watching and I like... I remember thinking, oh, this is cool. Like they're locked in New York and it's like freezing cold and it's flooded. I don't know how I'd react if I saw it now. 2012, I was like, this is kind of cool and stuff. Well, it's like the first time, the day after tomorrow, it's like the first idea. You're like, oh, this is fresh. This is interesting. And then, you know, by the fifth movie, you're like, okay. Yeah. I mean, this time it was like the moon is a superstructure. (laughs) A superstructure. Yes. Uh, I thought it was an alien. They're aliens, an alien civilization inside, inside the oh, moon. Wow. Yeah. Just groundbreaking. Just going to buy into that conspiracy theory now. There, I was not on board when the trailers first started showing in front of movies, but then once it got to the point in the trailer where I saw like nanobots swimming through space, yeah. 
was like, I'm more really, AI content. I just, nanobots in general have never been a thing for me. Like, I can't really get behind nanobots. I don't like the way they look. I think it immediately, like, destroys any kind of investment or, like, credibility that a sci-fi <laughs> movie has. Like, I don't believe you anymore. And so just seeing that Moonfall now had nanobots, I was like, yeah, I'm definitely not going to be seeing that. It took every, like, Shortcutting. It was just, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, I would like to watch it again one day in the comfort of my own home. Like a mystery science theater 3000 sort of thing. You yeah. could just sit there and roast it. Yes. Like I roasted 2001 Space Odyssey. Yeah. But for different <laughs> reasons. Um, I've got, uh, well, so what I, what I just did was I looked mm-hmm. on Letterboxd at mm-hmm. all the movies that I've watched. And you looked at your worst rate it? Uh, I, I, had it organized so that my worst rated was at the top of the list. I and did. then I also oh. specified uh, science fiction as a genre. That's what I did. So the movie that I came up with is The Cloverfield Paradox. Not 2035. I uh, haven't seen that one. It's like the, the, the pandemic movie that you thought oh, was 2025. 2025, sorry. Uh, that's not a science fiction one. Well, it doesn't appear okay. as science fiction on Letterboxd. Sorry. And I also didn't give that one a star rating. Pretty sure you gave it that, four and that. a half because I was okay. very confused. <laughs> I gave it four and a half as a joke. Yeah. And it literally lasted m- maybe a couple hours. Okay. And I was like, Because I thought I, you were serious because no. I had just been giving you such a hard time about how you give out too many five stars and then you gave out a four and a half star, which was just low enough for me to think it was real. <laughs> and I was like, there's no <laughs> way that he actually, and so I like kind of roasted you and you're like, it's a joke, you idiot. Yeah, so that <laughs> that was about 2025, uh, which was the movie made by the problematic <laughs> yeah. German guy who like was dating this girl. Oh yeah, she's like 17 or something. She Well, on her 18th birthday, he posted on Instagram, was like, you're finally legal oh. or something like that. <laughs> it's like, you've been dating her for that, four years? <laughs> to any person that ever thinks, this is going to be my Instagram caption, don't. <laughs> so, Just rethink your life choices and don't. Well, I sat and I watched the entirety of that movie, which mm-hmm. literally ends with, he's the main character. It ends with, him like being shot and killed by the police because he's a Christian. I was like, I can't take this seriously <laughs> at all. <laughs> like, nobody, nobody's doing that in America. And that's where he came to make this movie. Okay. So your worst sci-fi movie. Worst sci-fi movie was the Cloverfield Paradox, mm-hmm. which had such potential mm-hmm. uh, because the original Cloverfield was like a JJ Abrams project, like had a lot of mystery around the marketing all of that worked for me. I loved the experience of Cloverfield. If there, Matt Reeves, a Matt Reeves flick. It was a Matt Reeves flick. Yeah, he was starring in it. Oof. Matt Reeves. Yeah, wasn't he the star, the main guy? He's the director. He also directed uh, a new movie called The Batman. Oh, I know that much. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was the main guy. I'm pretty sure he's not. But you keep talking, I'll research it and prove you wrong. Okay. Well, that was in the first Cloverfield movie. And I also loved 10 Cloverfield Lane. So mm-hmm. when Netflix was like, hey, we made a third one and uh, you can watch it right after the Super Bowl. I was like, yeah, great. Sign <laughs> me up. It was not good. Uh, you should have known when they were like, you can watch it right after the Super Bowl. Well, so another th- time when that's happened and it's been a good thing was when they played The Office right after mm-hmm. the Super Bowl. And 
it was the episode where Dwight sets everything on fire or like does the smoke stress smoke relief. The, yeah, stress relief. That is funny that you mentioned that because like I remember watching the Super Bowl when the Cloverfield trailer came on, and then it was like on Netflix now, and that was like first time that had ever been done really, and so everyone was like, "Wait, there's no because that's when like big movies still weren't on streaming services." So it's like this is a Cloverfield movie, and I can watch it right now. So everyone thought it was cool at first, and then the more you think about it, you're like, it's probably not a good sign. If like <laughs> there's no marketing, nobody's been allowed to see it. They're just putting it out just there, dropping it on you, yeah, in your most vulnerable state. Yeah, like oh, of course <laughs> I'll watch it, and then it, it's terrible. You're drunk, just enjoying the the footballs with the families. Okay, Sam, what's your worst one? Yeah, do you have a bad one? I sorted them. Um, it feels weird to say that it's this one because it's like, it's not atrocious. Like I'm not going to poke my eyes out if I have to watch it again, but Mortal Engines is the one that came up as like my lowest rated <laughs> sci-fi. It's just really bad. Uh, there's literally minions in, in Mortal Engines. And this is a dystopian sci-fi movie about cities on wheels. And yeah. there are giant minion statues like straight out of Despicable Me as like, <laughs> These were historic relics of the past. And then there's also broken iPhones in a display case. And it's like, oh my gosh. It also had the most, I'm not, I don't even care to spoil it. (laughs) The most obvious I'm your father reveal of all time. Just, just not good. A cool concept, really cool concept. Sure, the books are great. Heard the books are great. Um, It also seems like there's a ton of world building. I'm pretty sure the movie was like, an hour and a half. So mm. it probably should have been like a trilogy and they really wanted it to be a trilogy. I really hate when a science fiction book series is meant to be adapted and it just goes poorly. Heard the same about Dark Tower. Heard that was terrible. I never saw that one. I didn't either. I heard that was bad. Yeah. Uh, I did not like Ender's Game when they remade, mm. when they made that into a movie. Yeah. I, don't, I, I feel like Ender's Game is very hard to capture or would be very hard to capture successfully. I don't know. I mean, I've never made a movie before. <laughs> so I, I don't know. know but I've made know, a movie. I think it would be easy. <laughs> it's no problem at all. Uh, no, I, th- I think that, that, yeah, there's obviously like certain challenges that you'd face, at least narrative-wise, um, especially since like in the book, the kid starts off, he's six years old, and then not too long after that, he's like 12. Yeah. So I understood... Like, it made sense to me the way that they did it in the movie. It's like, okay, he's just going to stay the same age. That's fine. Whatever. Um, but then I, I, the more that, that the movie went on, the more I realized, like, oh, that actually messes up a lot of yeah. the character's dynamics here because we didn't really see him be weak and vulnerable. Now he just looks like a bully. Yeah. Um, which is why I did not enjoy that. I never saw it, but did any of you guys ever see any of the Divergent movies? Because those definitely look like they would fit on this list. I saw the first one, and yeah, it was. It just looked like a. It was a Hunger Games ripoff. Yeah, I read the first book, and like so many pages to the end, I looked up at like the person I was living with at the time, and was just like, "This is how it ends, isn't it?" And she was like, "Yes," and then I never touched any of it again. I don't know that there's been another. <clears throat> film franchise where they make every movie up until the last one and then it just nothing happens because they yeah. made two and then it was a trilogy of books and then the last one 
because it was the cool thing to do at the time, even though they didn't need to do like it. They're two like, movies. we'll split it into two parts. And so they made the first three, which probably I, I never saw it, but I'm sure three ended on a huge cliffhanger to, well, to wrap up the, the final fourth and final chapter. And then the third one didn't make a lot of money and everyone hated it. So then nothing happened. Like, let's not do this anymore. At, at one point they were like, okay, it's going to be a straight to TV movie. It'll be on like some like channel or whatever. And then at that point, all the actors were like, yeah, peace. We're not doing that. And it just kind of disappeared. I, I don't know that that's ever happened to have like a movie, a franchise build up three of four parts and then just disappear. Mm. I feel like that's the right thing for Diverge. <laughs> yeah. It also mm. like, it started right it started in the peak of the YA book mm-hmm. thing. The dystopic. And, but that died off like a couple years after the first Divergent movie. So like it was kind of still trying to run behind it. And it just- the timing work. was really bad. Yeah. Who was that main girl, the actress? Shailene Woodley. Yeah. Yeah. Do we like her? <laughs> well, she's not dating Aaron Rodgers anymore. Well, that's good for her. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think what she's been in that I've seen. She was supposed to be MJ in Amazing Spider-Man 2, but all her scenes got cut. She uh, is in Big Little Lies, which is really good. She is in that. Mm-hmm. That's really hard. <laughs> no, she uh, was also in uh, Secret Life of American Teenager. Oh my gosh. It's terrible. Um, do you guys have any time travel movies that you like? We got a couple. Like what? Really like uh, this movie, Tenet. Um, <laughs> I've like never Tenet. heard you talk about that one. I like Tenet a lot. I like um, Back to the Future. I like uh, About you, Time. Would, yeah, that's a yeah. that's definitely a time I, travel. I almost didn't bring up About Time because like nothing except the concept is sci-fi. Like yeah. literally even the visuals, even the whole the, movie. Yeah. There's nothing around yeah. the... It's purely the idea of time travel, which which is scientific and fiction. That's it. Um, but it's time travel, so I would say about time. Would you say Interstellar is a time travel movie? Uh, yeah, no. No? I think it looks at the concept of time, but I don't think it uses time travel in like a traditional sense. Mm. Yeah. I mean, Tenet isn't a traditional time travel movie mm. either. It's very like... Whatever, but well, that one is definitely more time travel yeah. than Interstellar. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a it's a very unique new way of looking at. It. Whereas Interstellar is just more like time is a like ooh, it messes up in space. And yeah, look at the wacky different. things that time happens with time. Yeah, and gravity and uh, well, a couple movies that you might be interested in that you also might not have heard of. These are kind of underrated, okay. in my opinion. Um, the first one. I think you can find this on Amazon Prime. It's called Coherence. Mm-hmm. You've heard of that? I was just... Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think so. So it's um, a low-budget film, which both of these are low-budget films. You're selling I think this I know your really well one. already. Hmm? But go, I, say, I think I know the second one you're talking about, but go ahead. Uh, so Coherence is... Um, these people arrive at like a dinner party and there's some world building... Or there's like they talk about this comet that's passing overhead. And as the party, as the evening goes on, uh, just different weird things happen. And it's a really fun movie because it sets up this mystery. It's like, what's really going on here? And uh, 
you're following these characters as they're trying to figure it out. And then it's like, uh, the idea is that as this comet is passing overhead, they're also traveling between like alternate universes mm. where they're all like at the same dinner party. And so some people are leaving the house. They cross through like this black void and then they end up at another house where they see other people that is their friends, but it's like in, a, in another house. And so and they come back and there's just a lot of like little movie things that they do that um, that's really fun. Okay. I guess that one's less, less time travel and more just like interdimensional travel. Okay. Uh, this other one is definitely time travel. Uh, a movie called Primer. Yeah. So I've heard about it because it's notoriously like really a really cheap, like it was made very cheap, low budget, but it's also like you can do sci-fi cheap, but it's also extremely hard to understand from what I hear. It is difficult to understand only because of how they set everything up and reveal it to you. Uh, it's a short movie. It's 77 minutes. So We do love that. So yeah. it's a good movie. You, you can get in and out. <laughs> it's and probably a 9 out of 10. It, it's probably to that movie's benefit that it is short because yeah. well, it, make, it, makes, it be short. makes it easier to, to rewatch. And it, it, it is one where at the end, you either want to start it immediately or you're just going to think about it for a long time and come back to it eventually. Uh, but you, you still want to rewatch it. Is Donnie Darko a time travel movie? It is. Okay. It's definitely, when it ended, I had no idea it was a time travel movie. I also don't think I knew it was a sci-fi movie when it ended. <laughs> and I had just watched the whole thing. I think I had to watch a couple of YouTube videos before I was like, oh, that's a time travel sci-fi movie. Yeah, it's one that, I mean, they, he gives you all the all the clues. They're, they're all there. Um, that's one that took me a couple of times before I was like, oh, I think I get it more. Yeah. Um, I mean, it is a little heavy-handed, though, with the, like, he has a book about time travel. Yeah, I was like, I wasn't. I think I probably watched it late at night. I was like 16. I wasn't paying attention to that. No, you're so young. <laughs> I was dumb. Uh, uh, a fun, underrated, underrated, I don't even know if it's underrated because it's been years since I've seen it, but I grew up watching a movie called Frequency. Have you guys heard of Frequency? Uh-huh. That's a fun, like, 90s, it's action, but it's just. That one's got a little bit of heartbreak in it, too. Yeah, uh, it's, isn't it a isn't it a dad? Uh, yes, and his son? yeah. So it's Jim Caviezel and Dennis Quaid. That'll tell you how '90s it is. But uh, <laughs> it's really cool. Like it's basically um, a son. Jim Caviezel digs out his dad, his dead father's um, like old ham radio because his dad his dad used to mess around with ham radios and stuff, and he plugs it in one night, and he starts talking to this guy. And it's his dad, but he's talking to his dad in the 80s. And so you're following the parallel storylines. They have no idea they're talking to son and father. Um, and then you have like <clears throat> fun sci-fi stuff like Dennis Quaid carving into the table that is that the thing is sitting on and Jim Caviezel seeing it get carved out in real time because like if that happened in the 80s, it's still there. So... Uh, I don't know how well it holds up because it has been a while, but it's definitely one of those like, this is a fun mm. sci-fi movie and it's time travel stuff, so that's always fun. Have you ever seen a movie called Mac and Me? Mm-mm. I know the I know what Mac looks like. 
Because <laughs> he like, looks like an ET ripoff. It's, yeah, it's the, <laughs> the discounted ET. I saw this recently. Um, do recommend if you have like a rainy day. It's very uh, ridiculous. Uh, at the very end, the aliens. So this alien like comes to this family. The kids find a oh, shocker. We've heard this story before. Um, but at the very end, the alien and his family become American citizens. Nice. And I think it was also uh, like funded by McDonald's. There's a lot oh, of product yeah, yeah. placement. Well, there but you that's go. That's a, a happy ending. Yeah. Um, they have like suits on and everything. And they're like swearing <laughs> in. <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like sci-fi is kind of a bottomless pit. But yeah. we can about- keep rambling for forever. One last one. Okay. Um, have you guys seen Gattaca? Not. I mm-hmm. know it from uh, when Robert Downey Jr. says that guy's playing Gattaca in Avengers. Yeah. Okay. Um, here's a couple of selected readings from my last letterbox review. <laughs> okay. Uh, Ethan Hawke pretends to be Jude Law, falls in love with Uma Thurman, but decides to go to space on a one-way mission because of the omnipresent question of where he belongs and what else the universe has to offer. So is this something Ethan Hawke did in real life or is this like something his character did in the movie? His character. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> uh, another moment was a Nathan Ethan Hawke scrubs himself with a seashell on the beach. <laughs> it's just like a Nathan <laughs> Ethan Hawke. Did I say Nathan? Yes. yes. I, I meant naked. <laughs> Naked Ethan. That means Nathan. Nathan means naked Ethan. I don't know if you knew that. I thought maybe his middle name is Ethan. Nathan Ethan Hawk. Nathan Ethan Hawk scrubs himself. That's hilarious. <laughs> Going with like a nursery rhyme. Scrubs himself with a seashell yeah. on the seashore. Anyway, I love that movie. What's it called? Oh, Gattaca. Gattaca. Um, that's super science fiction and it's <clears throat> um, I mean it's got uh, interesting themes about family uh, Ethan Hawke's character was wanted um, ideally when your parents make you you're wanted uh, but he was the la- the <laughs> you know, like wanted by the police <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> they they um, they had him like organically and then the next child they had was like selected, like they, they'd set that one up for success because um, even the dad recognized that this one was just genetically superior to Ethan Hawke. Um, so <laughs> there's already like a big I'm sorry, I'm inferiority so complex on, on Nathan. Organically. <laughs> so Nathan Ethan Hawke was made organically and he was wanted by the police. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the movie that I'm talking about, but I would like to see that. <laughs> All right. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a strange it's episode. Been fun. I'm hoping I don't know. Pull it together and it's post. It's been real. It's been fun. It's been, I don't know if it's been real fun. Mary, thanks for joining. This has been Thanks a, for having me. It's just a fun, fun, fun little sit down talk. Yeah. yeah. If you love science fiction, come and hang out with me. I got nothing else. Are you talking to Mary or are you talking to the listeners? I'm talking to the listeners. <laughs> okay. But, we already hang out, Michael. But mostly me, I guess. I don't. I don't want to watch movies with strangers. I go to the movie theater for that. Right. <laughs> and on that note.
All right. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Love y'all. We'll see you. <laughs>